had a pretty random episode for y'all today, but I think y'all are going to like it. And in the spirit of being random, here are a couple of smart life hacks from an upcoming issue of Popular Mechanics magazine. First, if your car or house keys are sticking, rub them with powdered graphite to lubricate them. Can't find graphite? Use the quote-unquote lead from a number two pencil. And if you think your Wi-Fi is running slow, connect your home network to an Ethernet cable and go to speedtest.net to see how fast your internet is. Then do the same test over Wi-Fi. If the number drops, reposition your Wi-Fi router higher up and away from obstructions or upgrade to a mesh system, such as Eero. On this episode, we're talking brand new babies, gardening, and starting your own podcast, which I suspect we know something about. We also route some cables around a door, test out a cocktail box, and subject intrepid field editor James Lynch, who's just in town from Vermont for the day, to something called the mass suit. I'm your random host, Jacqueline Detweiler, and you're listening to the most useful podcast ever. So for today's podcast, Peter Martin just had a baby. Congratulations, Peter Martin. Thank you. I, I deserve having right, a baby. Well, generally, that's how it works. There's no yeah. good way to say, I've told people, like, my wife just had a baby. And I'm like, well, you kind of did, too. You also, but it feels weird. Like, we just had a baby. That's strange. There's a new baby in our house. Who's <laughs> <laughs> it? How did it get there? You've created a family. Congratulations. It does feel a little more like a family now. There's three of us. So when Peter came in after this happened the other day, he came into the office and immediately started asking Amy Bartol, who is our managing editor questions about what he should be doing because you have two kids you haven't killed yet. I have two children who are successfully still alive. Yes. And this is your first time on the podcast. This is my first time. Yes. Usually you think you're mad that we're in here blocking off and now we're... I'm always looking for someone and inevitably they're in here. We're in here. Yes. Hiding from me, I'm sure. Well, thank you for actually joining us this time. It is my pleasure to be here. And Peter, you have some questions for Amy. I have so many questions, but I've limited <laughs> them for this podcast. First Number one. one. Here we go. How do I know if she is hungry or if she just needs to suck on the pacifier and calm down? <gasps> Those are all the little cues that they tell you. If the baby starts to chew on their hand, it usually means that they're hungry. Yeah. When they're that small, when they're first home and they're newborns, you basically just want to feed them every three hours. If it's not three hours, chances are she's not hungry. It's just they like to have something in their mouth. That's how they experience the world at that age. Uh -huh. Everything goes in their mouth. And when she can finally hold stuff, the first thing she will do is put it in her mouth. So in the end, if it's not three hours, she's not hungry. I mean, she might think she sometimes is, she's, she's hungry before three hours. That's the annoying, because if she doesn't yeah. eat a lot and then she gets hungry an hour later and then it's annoying. But I've learned that if we put the passwire in and she is sucking it like crazy and it's like shooting out of her mouth and back in her mouth, like <laughs> it's like a one or two inch travel on the pacifier forward and backward. <laughs> then, because I don't want to frustrate her. She's trying to get milk out of it. Yeah. 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 She so, wants more than just that. So yeah. then we swap. So that we talked about her putting things in her mouth. Yes. So this is the next question. The rock and play that we have for her that she really likes which is like a little bassinet that automatically pushes her up and down right it came with a little teething ring or like a little plastic ring that i assume is a teething ring when can i give that to her and expect her to put it in her mouth because i've just kept it nearby in case ever she asks for it but she hasn't yet <laughs> And I don't. I don't want to force it on her if she's not ready. You know, they're not going to ask for things yeah. for quite some time, right? She's very advanced. <laughs> She'll be signing to you very soon. I want that and point to something. That's a god. You come really coming at me with like really hard it's stuff a good right this podcast. minute. It I don't is know if you ever listened to it, but we, wow, we really get journalism. to the issues. I, I feel like I should have studied up on like the history of my kids for a little while now. Right. We also should say your what your younger daughter is five. So it's been a while. It is. It has been a while. She's six, actually. So it has been some time. But unlike 
giving birth, which you actually forget. You forget how really? bad it is. I, I can tell I've you. I've heard that before. It is not. It is a complete truth. I'm terrified. I'm going to say, not it's that It's a bad. complete truth. And the reason why you release so many hormones, and the idea is, if you remembered how bad it was, you would, you would do never do it again. Uh-huh. So truthfully, within a couple of weeks, you forget how bad it was because then you're like, oh, babies are awesome. So I'm not, I'm going to have more. Okay. How about. Can I put a rattle in her crib once she can hold things? My friend bought her a cute little like metro card rattle. Oh, that's adorable. So can it just be so she can grab it and put because she's always throwing her hands around in her bassinet. Yeah. But they say for Sid stuff, nothing extra should be in the crib. Not when she's sleeping. Yeah. No. I mean you shouldn't. There basically it should just be her in the crib with a mattress. Not yeah. even little bumper guard. They'd recommend nothing yeah. else. I mean, when you're a kid of the 70s and 80s, everyone had little bumper guards around because they were afraid that the kids' arms would get stuck in the cribs oh. and stuff. Nothing. It's like a bear. It's just a mattress. I, like a I sheet always see baby. that, and I feel like it looks sad. I'm like, why can't the baby have anything? <laughs> that's to prevent the baby from dying. Exactly. So you uh, don't want them to get to have breath and life. Yeah, it's, that's important. Nice. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, at a month old, though, she probably doesn't even roll over or anything. So don't to get out. <laughs> don't put anything in there until she can actually like flip herself over. Because okay. when she can flip herself over, then you'll put her, always put her to bed on her back. You always put them to sleep on the back. That's like one of the number yeah. one things. You never put babies on their stomach because they can suffocate. So always put her to sleep on her back. In terms of, they say only sleep on the back. Yes. But so she'll be on my chest sometimes. Also, sometimes we have a little blanket down that we change her on. So it's folded twice on just a play mat. Right. If she's comfortable in falling asleep there, can we leave her there too? That's I would, a soft surface. It is. But I mean, if she's going to sleep, you should flip her over. Well, she's on her back for that. Right. But I mean, if you put her on your chest, that's yeah. fine. You'll know if she stops breathing. And she's not going to stop breathing, first of all. I, I mean, swear that's, she she's feels not, like she does every once I would in a while. do that, too. I was neurotic. I was always putting my hand in front of their face. I'm like, please tell me you're breathing. You know, like, SIDS is terrifying. Like, and you in your mind all the time. Yeah. I would wake up just terrified because I hadn't heard her for a couple hours. Like, oh, she didn't wake up to eat. Oh, my God. You know, put my hand on her chest immediately. Like, please tell me you're still breathing. Okay. What about baby clothes? What a lot of them clothes? come with hats. And they look cute. But does she need or want a hat? <laughs> it's like a little skull cap. When they're first born, it's all about swaddling them so they feel safe and warm. But like within a week or two, I mean, it's, it's July and it's hot outside. Yeah. She doesn't need a hat unless she's in the sun. Or if it's picture time. Well, I mean, if you want to dress her up and she looks super cute, put a bonnet on her, sure. But... Why do I enjoy? That's the other question. Why do I enjoy dressing her up? These are not things I would have predicted from my life. <laughs> the last one. Why or how are babies so good at staring? Because their tear ducts are not fully formed yet, so I should be able to win. She has enough <laughs> to keep her eyes lubricated, the doctor says, but her tear ducts don't come in and don't fully function until I think sometime in the second month. It's true. When she cries, she doesn't cry tears. But she does not blink when we stare at each other. Because she can't focus yet. She There's sees still air currents. I know, her but eyes. she can't focus on your actual face and make out details yet. What she's seeing is something very fuzzy, so it's really easy to stare at something when you're not staring at detail-oriented Also, things. when you're trying to figure out what your father looks like <laughs> so that you can be, like, saved for, from the jungle or whatever. I mean, whatever whatever developmental stage she's at right now, she's probably, like, really important to memorize what this looks like. <laughs> this fuzzy image. All babies are born with blue eyes. I didn't know and that And then they turn color. So, like, if, for instance, I have brown eyes and so do my husband. So both of my kids ended up with brown eyes, but they came home from the hospital with blue eyes. It's so weird. Wow. It's the weirdest thing ever. It's like, oh my God. She's Sometimes they have hair and they lose it and then they grow new yes. hair. Yes. That's what happened to my older daughter, actually. She was born with very thin, dark hair and then it all fell out. But you don't notice. And then all of a sudden her hair was blonde and it's been blonde ever since. Wow. And my second born was born with a full head of hair and it just grew like crazy. 
I was born with a full head of hair also. Full my mom never, never forgets to remind me of it. Because <laughs> I screamed bloody murder my entire childhood as she tried to brush it. He did suggest I get a pacifier when we didn't have one when we were worried. And that, That's right. How that is helped. that working out for you? It's good. And the doctor said it's okay. See? So Pacifiers will save your life, let me tell you. <laughs> Final piece of advice when you are told, pacifiers will save your life. <laughs> it's time again for your favorite segment. Cast facts. Cast facts. Cast facts. The we- most meta of the facts. It's a pretty meta fact. Yeah. Yeah. And not about fishing, then. No. Okay. Cast is the popular slang for podcasts. Oh, I, I saw, Jackie, you like kind of tilt your head when you say cast when cast. you're cutting off the words at the beginning. Yeah, it's like a physical manifestation of an apostrophe. Yeah. Cast. <laughs> no. Or just like a cast. twitch. Yeah. <laughs> podcast. So I'm curious, since you guys run our podcast, mm. when did you get into podcasts? Like, when did you start listening to them? I listened to Serial, I believe, before we started the podcast. Is that true? When did that Probably. come out? That sounds right. Serial came out in it was 2014, I think. So I listened to that. I think it was right before we started the podcast because this started in 2015. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we started in 2015. And I so like very briefly beforehand, but I'm actually not crazy into podcasts. Really? I like them and I will occasionally listen to them on road trips or in a bath. I listen to music while I run. Mm-hmm. I listen to these podcasts because we have to prove them. But <laughs> yeah, I'm not like a crazy. I like the radio. I used to always like radio shows. I'm yeah. not a crazy podcast person either. I really only listen to two podcasts. Not really? kind of, not kind okay. of this one. You're like, I only listen to one and it's myself. Yeah. But one of the two is WTF, which is I have a friend who got I have a friend who legitimately got into podcasts like when we were in college, like 10 years ago. Like wow. podcasts wow. Like, really weren't a thing. And Was there even pods then? What do they just call them? Cast? Audio blogs. No, because I think when oh, they started, wow. well, I think yeah. when they started, it was on an iPod, right? I mean, that's where podcast is. Right. It wasn't even like yeah. on your phone. So I think he had a click wheel and he would go through them. But he gave me an episode of WTF probably in like, I would guess like 2012 or 2013. And it was, and I liked it. So I'd listen to it sporadically though, but not regularly. Interesting. <laughs> so this is really just a brief history of podcasting because I was curious. Like, I don't remember them being a thing until probably about 2014, which is when Serial got made and I had cool friends who were like into podcasts and were sending me podcasts to listen to. But it's actually like that was only 10 years after the word podcasting was even invented. Podcasting, the word was invented in 2004 and hmm. entered the dictionary in 2006. Huh. And Apple didn't even add their podcast feature to iTunes until 2005. Technically, so there were like RSS feed, like that was modified to include audio back in like oh. 2000. Yeah. Well, but I don't think they're not Ruscasts. That would suck. <laughs> Kill what if it was jacket. Potters? What? Potters. Pot- that would be confusing Potters? with the whole, oh, like, Potters. Yeah. Potters. With what? Pot- Potters. <laughs> I feel like people would think it was, like, a Harry Potter thing, and then... That's true. Yeah, it's yeah, bad air to use or the Or people who like to pot things. Or make pottery. All right, yeah, back, plus, what would you call the, the person making the Potters? In 2006, the year that the word podcasting entered the dictionary, only 22% of Americans had heard the term. And only 11% had ever listened to a podcast. Wow. What do you guys think that number is today? Of people who had ever listened to a podcast? Mm-hmm. Percentage-wise. Ooh, 45. I was going to say higher, but I'll say 60. 40. Whoa! So Jackie was a lot closer. But 60% have heard of podcasts, which to me, I guess, still feels kind of low. And today, there are over half of a million active podcasts. Wow. I would never have podcast. guessed that. That is so... Yeah. I kind active. of would. I feel like it's hard yeah. to... Like, sorting them out. I mean, you look on iTunes and you're like, how are there so many podcasts? But then also someone asks us but how half to... half a million is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Also someone asks us how to start a podcast, like, every week. Right. That's true. Which brings us 
to the equipment that you need to start a podcast. Oh, what do you need? So this is cribbed directly from Kevin Dupesick's 2015 article about getting started in podcasting. Which we used to, to get, get our started podcast, in this podcast. Yeah. So I will say the words, but because I don't actually run this podcast, I do not deeply understand this equipment. So both of you can feel free to jump in with mm. Okay, well, maybe we should start there. What is a mixing board and why do you need one? That's our mixing board. Yeah, this is our second mixing board. Our first one was an ancient version that did not really partner well with the computer, and we had a lot of issues with it. So Kevin and I went on a deep dive and got this one, which is great, and it is an... It's a Xenix UFX from Behringer, yeah. Yeah. But basically the mixing board is where you plug all the audio sources into Mm -hmm. And it takes all the audio and then and it sends it to whatever you're going to... It just sends all the audio to whatever you're using to record. So we record right to our computer, but I think in the old days you'd record it to tape or something. But it's what allows you to make all these adjustments and then send that audio right. someplace. I can mm-hmm. do other things other than make Kevin's voice change. Mm-hmm. So 2015, Kevin said that you want to get a microphone with an XLR cable as opposed to like a USB microphone. So what's the difference there? Yeah, XLR is just... So like USB obviously is used for a lot of computer peripherals. As far as I know, the microphones that people prefer still tend to be mm-hmm. XLR microphones. Yeah, and that's usually what the inputs are on a mixing board as well. And also, they look like little surprised and or dismayed faces. All right, so mixing board, microphone, obviously a computer to record to, some sort of recording software. What do you guys use? Uh, we use Adobe Audition, which I am looking at right now. It's really actually super easy to master is what we use. We are all also wearing Sony headphones, which are super comfortable and... Yeah. Over ear. I think over ear is solid. Yeah. Yeah. These ones actually, MDR7506. These are like, when I did that story, I just found out that like literally everybody uses these headphones. Like people were like, oh, these are the ones you'll see everywhere. And then every new person I interviewed, I asked them what they use and they all said the same thing. And every studio I've been to has these same headphones. They're not expensive. I think they're only like 30 bucks. Oh, that's not bad at all. You can do, and you actually don't need a mixing board if you're only using, I think it's like two or fewer. If you're just going to record yourself or like yourself and one other guest, they have some like it'll process your audio and send it directly in your computer. Hmm. Mackie, I think, is the brand that does those. Like for us, because we have separate tracks for a number of different microphones, we have a fan- slightly fancier. Yeah, we have three mics and we have something so we can do phone calls. And as you start to have more and more inputs, you need a bigger right. board. Right, yeah. yeah. What do you guys use if you're ever recording out in the field? Yeah, <laughs> so it's just a handheld digital recorder. So there's like the recorders that most of us use for our magazine journalism interviews, which is mm-hmm. the quality doesn't have to be good because you're not trying to give it to someone else. So in this case, it's a handheld recorder. It's called a Zoom, which is a pretty common brand. A lot of people use it. I think the one we have is an H6, but they've been making like H4 was the newest one for a while. And so I, I've seen a lot of people with those. I think ours is an H6, but it has the same XLR input. So you can plug microphones in. It comes with like a built-in mic, but you really want to use a separate mic to get better quality. In the studio, the mics that we have are sure mics, and it's another one where it's kind of like it's a standard studio mic. We use a separate mic when we're out in the field. So we have, they're called lav mics or lavalier mm-hmm. mics. Those are the ones like go on your lapel and they use like a wireless pack that's on your waist to go back to the handheld recorder. Or we also have this big furry one that looks like a caterpillar shotgun mic. And that's so that you can like get a very focused area of sound. Hmm. And those are also called in my favorite piece of audio lore, dead cats. <laughs> they're really called dead Why? cats because they look like dead cats. Oh, fair. Yeah. So that feels like the basics to me, or at least that's everything I can sort of put my eyes on in this room. What else would someone need if they want to start their own podcast? It's pretty simple. That's I mean, kind if of you, it. Yeah. I mean, we have some soundproofing on the walls, but like you don't have to do that. If you did it in like a quiet, non-echoey room and you got a good editor, I think you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. And really, the thing about the room is that if, it, if you have a room where there's like not really anything on the walls, so it's just a bunch of flat surfaces, then the sound's going to bounce around a lot. Mm-hmm. But like, 
if you're recording in your bedroom or your office and you have like bookshelves and they have books and like knickknacks on them and there's a lot of like lumpy shapes and different things that are going to kind of diffuse the sound, you'll be fine. But the other thing you can do that I found out when I wrote that story is that some people, like I think this is probably more like if you're a young producer or something, you're recording stuff at home. You just go on your bed and put the comforter over your head and record underneath it because no way. there's no vibrations. Like the sound's not bouncing around off your comforter. Yeah, so a couple people actually told me that. They were like, if you're recording at home and you have like traffic out your window, it's going to be annoying. Like, wait till night, go under your comforter and record under there. Also a great way to tell ghost stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good podcast. Yeah. Like, good, that's a great idea. That's what you do. Yeah. All right. So that's all I have for facts and cast facts. And that's cast been, facts. That's been cast facts. So we have here today somebody who is in has been in the office longer than anyone else on staff, I'm, <laughs> on I Earth. think. But have has, you been here longer than Roy? No. Oh, I'm, not I'm, longer I'm than Roy. I'm the fourth most senior. Oh, man, Jackie. I am check. wrong. Perfect, because Dave Cohen is our research director, and he fact-checks everything, so he has just <laughs> fact-checked me. Um, but Dave Cohen has been here quite a while and has never been on our podcast, so True. welcome. Thank you very much. And so... I think this was suggested because Peter Martin was talking about his plants, and you take care of a few plants here in the office. I do. I have always had a green thumb. I've only had space to utilize that green thumb various times in my life. I'm happy to tell you about that. But, <laughs> but yes, I do. I do have a few plants here, and I, I was watering it once a week on Thursdays. And that proves to really be too much for a money tree. Oh. It's too much. Once and a- you found that just by trial and error, or you have a resource that you go to to figure out how many times a certain plant should be watered? I read up on it. And as a research chief, I don't believe anything that I read. <laughs> so everything that I read about money plants was about don't water them. Uh-huh. But presumably you eventually have to water it. I'm a nurturing and caring person, so I I want to water my plants. Right. Except I see their leaves turn yellow. So Right. Okay, I have a question. Yellow leaves, that means too much water generally. Generally, yes. Okay, I have have learned this because I screwed it up. With a pothos, which you're supposed to it's supposed to be impossible to hurt them. And I think I got I was I loved it too much. I once killed a plant. By and this is so sad. I kept it alive. I I never used to have a green thumb. I'm growing a green thumb. I actually Mm -hmm. have Two living peppers on a plant at oh, home very right nice. now. This is a good time for me to learn. What do I save? What do I replace? But our thing is we're trying to get easy plants. The challenge we've found is plants that like partial shade, full sun, full shade. Our plants are under a tree. So we get direct sunlight for a lot of the time, but then it's under a tree, so they don't get a lot of sun. So what is that? Is that partial sun? That is partial sun. And plants will compensate for themselves yeah. a lot of times. Really? So what does that mean? Meaning... If a plant has some sun, even if it's not on a regular schedule, it will make extra photosynthesis. Oh. <laughs> make extra plant stuff. Okay, so how about this? Back porch, <laughs> a lot less sun. And I think that was the problem. We planted foxgloves, mm-hmm. which were, I think, partial shade. They weren't full sun, I don't think. And they were beautiful, but like really tall stalks, a bunch of little bell-looking purple things hanging off of them, and they're awesome. They're nice. It lasted three weeks. A couple of days after we got it home, they have very tall stalks that hold the little flowers. And one of those, you know, probably like a foot and a half tall, one of those bent in half the day we got it home. I don't know if that was just from transit getting back or shock. Do, mm-hmm. plants, have, do plants get shocked when you change their pots? They certainly do. So what would you have done if your foxglove stalk had fallen over when you brought it home? I'd staked mine. <laughs> oh, it was probably dumb, but it at least looked like I was doing something. Well, I would survey the damage to see if it can be saved because yeah. you take a dowel or a stake, 
Yeah. And put something around it, even a little scotch tape or something. If it looks like it could survive, then cut it down and yeah. see but what you can do. It died three weeks later, and now we just have green, and then the green died. Is that, <laughs> did I do that? Or if some plants, they just, you were telling me this the other day that some plants just, they bloom for three weeks, and then you just have pretty green stuff. They and, all do have their own cycle. Yeah. So it pays to kind of read up a little bit on these things to see whether they're early, mid, or late season bloomers. Right. So I might and then you can the stagger them a little bit. Okay. You can plant them in the same place too, because as one gets cut down, the other grows up and will bloom. Yeah. I have a question about basil. Uh-huh. Does basil suck up water? Is that just like a thing? I think herbs in general. They do? They do. Okay. Because I feel like I water my basil every single day. Well, and it is just don't like... Don't forget how much... Human beings are what, 75 or 80 percent water plants? Yeah, <laughs> it might even right. be more than that. That's a good point. I'm sure the plants really run a, a diverse spectrum. Yeah. Could we cover one other very basic question? Yes, sir. Perennials and annuals, yes. which it took me longer than it should have to realize. <laughs> annuals you plant <laughs> annually. Perennials are going to come back. Mm-hmm. I had another perennial in the front tree pit. And it was beautiful. I had these really nice white flowers. No idea what the name is. No I was idea. proud of myself for remembering the other names. It, a little bit of greenery came up this year. No flower, never as high as last year. Did I do something wrong? I love that this is, you, every question you have is just, did I do this wrong? That's kind of probably the, the subject we should take. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make it for other, did other doing people? something wrong. No, <laughs> these plants, uh, you are not to blame for them. But not everything comes back as well. And, you know, some plants will skip a year and come back later. Oh, interesting. In the, so don't in the give following up. Year, don't give up. Okay. Prune, which is a good is word. Is called deadheading? I learned someone at the Home Depot taught me deadheading, where you just take off the flowers that have died so that it's, I guess it's not sucking extra nutrients from the rest of the yes. plant. Yes, I've tried to do that. That's a nice phrase, though. What about, so pruning, how does one prune ideally? What are you doing? Ideally, you prune above a joint, you know, so you're not cutting off growth. Uh-huh. What you would prune sometimes when a plant doesn't have enough sun, it sends out really long, thin shoots. You've seen plants do that. Uh It doesn't really look like a healthy plant. It's like trying to get to the sun. That's what it's trying to do. Cut those back. Cut back the ones that are trying to get nutrients? If they don't look so good, yes. If you cut back, the basic plant will reinforce itself and will get stronger, hopefully sending out a stronger shoot. That shoot that's coming is not the only one your plant is going to send. Right. So they tell you to be really harsh with the pruning. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. you could just cut the whole thing off. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the idea. No. Not, don't cut it down to the ground. Yeah. But anything that looks sickly, anything that gets too bushy, you can form these things. You can put them in the shape you want. Even your impatience, which are kind of bushy and circular, you can... Yeah. Rain them in however you find aesthetic. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. My pleasure. My thumb is not green, but it's like, it's no longer, it's not, <laughs> it's not dead. It's like, yeah. it's like that yellowish color. It's going to get green. <laughs> it's in a draft. You stop watering it. Yeah. Okay. Fix it. Okay. 
So James Lynch is not usually here. He's usually up in Vermont, but you're here for the day. So we thought we would torture you. Yeah, that's why I came. Yeah, actually, when so Kevin, you got the email for this. Yeah. And our first thought was, wish James Lynch was here. Yeah, you guys were waiting for me to come. You just like I show up and my desk is dusty, but boom, there's a nice big sack of resistance band suits. Oh yeah, it was a miracle because we were. I mean, we were really just kind of figuring out like which other person we're going to torture. I think Eleanor like sighed relief when I walked in the door. She's like, oh, finally. Yeah, because we were like, we have to do it to Eleanor, and she's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) We have an intern right now. We thought it'd be too mean. You can't. Yeah, yeah, that's that's hate. You can't haze. I can't be hazed. Yeah. yeah. I think you can go to jail for yeah. putting Yeah, no, that'd be bad. That'd be bad. And so I don't, yeah. But you're an employee, so. Uh, uh, no rules. You're screwed. Yeah, yeah. literally no contract. rules. Yeah. So what is this thing called? It's called the mass suit. Okay. <laughs> so basically what it is, is uh, people, you guys have probably both seen resistance bands for weight training. I have a set at home. And basically it's like, instead of using dumbbells or like big, heavy hunks of steel, you use these like rubber bands and depending on the degree of elasticity, they provide more resistance, which simulates the idea of like lifting something heavy. Like you do a bicep curl with a resistance band. So you can carry these bands around to, you can take them on a plane or whatever. So this is basically a suit where (laughs) you have a set of resistance bands for every limb of your body and it's to train your whole body all at once. All right. So what do you got there? What is this? I haven't opened it yet. It's very like Gold's Gym style here. We got a plastic bag with lots of straps and bags. And now when Kevin's talking about resistance bands, there are the rubber band ones. But these are like medical tubing resistance uh-huh. bands. That looks like a parachute harness. Oh, that wow. Intense. wow. This wow. looks... That really looks like a parachute harness. All right. Yeah. Well, that part I think you can figure out because that looks like a... That looks like a harness. Like a harness, I'm standing yeah. up. Okay. This has hockey knee strap and hockey skate strap. Oh, so you could play hockey in it. That sounds That bad. sounds super great. Yeah. <laughs> this is just for the hockey knee strap. I should probably do that, though, right? But that guy is doing it with just his bare feet, so you can do it. Okay. All right. what, let me see. There you, there you go. Okay, we got it. Here it man. looks like hot knee strap and hockey skate strap. Okay. This is the over-the-shoe foot strap. There's two of them. Okay. How's this look so far, right? I'm just, like, buckled in. Yeah, so I think you're supposed to put these contact points on, and then you'll stretch the bands out, too. Oh, I see. Okay, but what about this, though? What is this little band here for? Maybe well, something you goes it. around your elbow. Maybe that as you, like, run or whatever. Yeah, so this strap goes underneath your heel, and then this goes around your ankle, like an ankle weight. Oh, oh and okay. I bet that connects to those little, those. Yeah, that's what the buckle's on the... Okay. Okay. But you're, are you supposed to also have... Where do, what about your arms? You don't get any arms? I think that's the wrist thing. I think that was a... I think you just hold those. Yeah, hold but this it. guy doesn't have any arms. That's because it's just showing you... How am I supposed to practice baseball if I'm holding <laughs> these things? That's true, actually. Fitting of the suit. Man, this guy is ripped. Shoulder pads evenly on the shoulders. Secure them with Velcro. That looks not Velcro. done. I think it looks fine. There's, oh, yeah, I see it. I see the Velcro. Hold on. I'm going to help you. Okay. Adjust chest harness height. So you like, is it like a good height? I think harness should be centered like on your sternum. That's what he says. My sternum's right here. It's pretty good. Maybe a little bit lower. Okay. Tighten the chest straps. Align the bottom of the suit with your lower back. Is that aligned with your lower back? It also says that... If the chest harness rises, you should loosen the side straps. I think it could go a little lower. Are there like so, things here yeah, to I slide think, down? I think this is where you slide it. Yeah. It also says that if the chest harness rises, you should loosen the side straps. Loosen the side straps? I know. I find that confusing as well. I should erase somebody in the office wearing this thing. Because <laughs> open challenge. I'll smoke anyone in this office while wearing this. <laughs> That's probably accurate. It's all the log rolling. I don't think we're the, fa- <laughs> I don't think we're the fastest staff. No, I'm distance more than speed. Oh, I'm, I'm full speed. I got one speed, full speed. <laughs> uh-huh. Which is why I've uh-huh. torn both my hamstrings. No, you tore your hamstring. I can't I, even I joke did. about that. Yeah, no. Wait, have you, you really torn, torn both? Your... No, no, God, no. no. My hamstrings are in perfect shape. I was a hurdler. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I never heard about this hamstring tear, and you would talk about it because it sucks. 
Yeah. Oh, no, I believe you. I don't mean to belittle your hamstring tear. All right, okay. I'm going to pause this because I think... There's elbow straps, too, though. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so now, straps? wait. So you're clipping your feet. I'm doing the outs. Oh, shit. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean dang it. Okay, so you... <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that this doesn't end up something just rocketing up into my crotch. <laughs> Like, this is, oh, man. Okay. It's like a ringing in my ears already. Okay. okay. Now, put your leg up, and you got to clip in your knees. Which, okay. In the back, same deal. Okay. <laughs> if I get severely injured before my interstate skateboard trip, during this thing. <laughs> I mean, we very it. briefly talked about having me do this, and then. You Ke- explode. No, Kevin was like, I don't know that your hips need to be. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, uh, right. let's see. What's next? Can you really feel it? Yeah, big time. The porno music in this thing is really... You put your hands through the thing. That's just it. Makes, that's, that's it. I'm unimpressed by that aspect Yeah, that of it. feels like... Maybe you should put them around your wrists? I don't know. Uh, just ride down the arms. Is that pretty tough? Yeah. <laughs> He's walking around. Have you ever seen those videos the do- where like, they put like, the shoes on the Godzilla dogs? <laughs> where they put the shoes on the dogs and the dogs yeah. are like, oh, God. Yeah, that's exactly that's what they look like. Okay. What do you, how does it feel? <laughs> you look ridiculous. <laughs> I feel... Very ridiculous. I don't know that I've experienced anything like this. Wow, this could be. This really could be terrible. Maybe don't. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I definitely feel like uh, jumping off that table had a little bit of like it's. My legs feel lighter almost because they want to be picked up. So jumping up, like my legs, it's trying to pick my legs up. So when I'm like jumping down, it kind of feels like I landed like Neil Armstrong. Like whoa. Well, this is kind of weird. So, how much does this thing cost? Oh, that, they have these different models. You want to look on their website? Uh, yeah. This would be hard. Okay, so they have a number of different series. It looks like their Suit Strength series and the Suit Speed series are both 380. The Suit Pro is 350, and the Mass Suit Elite is 289. What's okay. the speed look like? So, what do you get with speed? I, yeah, I can't tell what the difference is between. We should, also, we should oh, see if they terrible. have any. Like, do they have like a recommended routine to do with it? That probably be they worth do. Saying yeah, they do. God, they come with videos. Oh, I see. So each one, like, I guess if you get like the speed suit, then you get like a developing agility and quickness thing video. And so the name of the company, Juke Performance, so you can get like a fitness program. Let's see, the strength suit it doesn't say what the difference is between the suits i'm not sure if there is it might just be oh so you get like bonus equipment based on what which which one which one you're getting Uh, yeah like a parachute or something one size it's all but like you get like in the strength series you get like a medicine ball and a wall ball and a slam ball and then there's like different strength of bands and there's like a whole bunch of other things and there's like a fit on the go strength program so it comes with a lot of stuff so, and it does look like you could pack that pretty easily, and you're actually out of breath, so. Am I? Well, I mean, you're like, you're breathing as if you were exercising. Oh, my traps are super sore, actually, right now already. <laughs> oh, so. Well, it's because it's like pulling down on them, and I'm trying to lift my arms up. Like, that's really hard. Yeah. Huh. But, like, my legs feel pretty okay, honestly. So, would you buy this? Never. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you just no reason, in my mind, to be pulling traction on every single part of your body at the same time. Yeah. But they also recommend it for particular sports, so oh. it does seem like you're what supposed sports? to do. Uh, they have football, MMA, fighting, soccer, basketball, baseball, softball, hockey, swimming, and golf. Swimming seems interesting, I guess, because you're in the oh. water. But right, here's a question: Can I touch the ceiling? You're just like I'm you, definitely gonna try. You have too much energy. See, this is why yeah. we wanted you to do yeah. it. Usually, I do work. You got up on that table pretty easily. I that bet was, you yeah. can get up there. Okay, here we go. 
You're gonna your headphones. I'm gonna tear gonna my shoulder. Be... No, my headphones will be fine. Yeah, there's plenty. They're actually the headphones. <laughs> I love how I'm like most concerned about the equipment. I'm like, yeah. James will be fine. Like, don't break my stuff. You know, my shoulder might slip out. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> We should end this before he hurts himself. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to tear my shoulder yeah. out for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's good to be back. <laughs> Today's special guest is Roy Berenson. Welcome Hi. back. <laughs> Thanks, um, Jackie. <laughs> So we were talking about this the other day. This is actually something that's real and true and in my life. I have wires that go, it's an extension cord that goes across my living room floor because I live in an old building in New York City and I don't own it. There's only one wall in my entire apartment where the TV works and it's not a wall that has a plug. So I have it plugged in. I have everything set up on that side of the room and hidden and all that stuff. And then I have one cord that just goes across the floor and I do not know what to do about it. I'm afraid someone's going to trip over it. So I try. Here's what I did. I'm just going to start by explaining what stupid thing is. <laughs> so at first I like got the wrong kind of extension cord because you had to, it had to be have a three prong or something and I got a two prong. And so then I got a three prong one and then I tried to route it around my door using white electrical tape. And that did not stick at all. So then I gave up and went, you know what? I'm going to ask Roy. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks, Jackie. This is one of those problems that really doesn't have a great solution. I mean, the, the standard solution, of course, if you were a homeowner, you'd hire an electrician. The electrician would pull some wire from somewhere, maybe going all the way back to the service panel. Okay. They would install something called an old work box. They'd pull wire into it, and then they'd install an outlet, and you'd be good to go. Now, in this <laughs> case, you were right to get that. The, you don't want to leave electrical cords on the floor somewhere where they're going to be a tripping. The two things happening there. One is a tripping hazard. Mm -hmm. The other thing is people, and this is a really a, a dangerous thing, you know. I mean, it leads to house fires. People put rugs over extension cords and they mm -hmm. eventually over time can wear through the outer layer of the cord and spark uh, an electrical fire. Oh, that's not good. The thing is, yeah, you want to get the extension cord off the floor. Now, there really isn't a good solution here. There are staples that if you're careful that you can use. The whole thing with extension cords is that manufacturers of them don't want you treating the extension cord like it's permanent wiring. You right. Know, they want it to be used for short-term purposes, temporarily. And you know, they're exactly right because not that extension cords are dangerous, but pe people use them improperly. The best thing is to get it off the floor. You tried holding it in place with some electrical tape, I believe? I did try that, yep. That's not what electrical tape is typically used for. Mm -hmm. The intent was good. You use something labeled electrical tape. It said electrical on it. That's all yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, right. And and there's also specialized, I would say, staple slash cable clamps. And I can show you some of these afterwards. It would allow you to, not permanently, of course, but to affix the cord in position and get it out of the way so it's not being stepped on or tripped over. Right. I think that's probably the best, the best solution. How do yeah. you use those things? I mean, are you using like a staple gun or is it like with well, a hammer? There's low voltage staples that they actually fire. In a gun, you put the 
staple in place. The gun has a fitting on the nose that you put right over it, and you can't misfire it. It fits in a manner you can't misfire it. You have to try you know, to <laughs> misfire it. And you just plink, move on to go another three feet. I think I've feet. seen my, um, when the cable people came to my house to yeah. install cable, and they, where do you get one of those things? You buy those through electrician supply houses, online, telecom supply catalogs. The signal that cable is carrying is, it's a micro voltage. It's, mm-hmm. it's so low voltage that it's, I wouldn't say it's negligible, but you're not going to, generally speaking, start a fire with it. Oh, so that's safer. Yeah. They are permitted to do things with that. An electrician running 120 volt wiring is not is permitted not. to oh, do. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But still, even with that, a good cable installer will be careful because there are conditions under which any signal carrying cable, and most cables are carrying a signal of some kind, could pose a fire threat, believe mm-hmm. it or not. I mean, there's there's things that they even they have to look out for and be careful of. Now, I wish I had a solution, Jackie, that satisfied all the safety criteria in this case. I mean, the best thing would be to have an electrician install a proper box and you just plug in there. Mm-hmm. Get the cable off the floor as best you can. Okay. <laughs> Support it securely as best you can. Keep it out of the way from being tripped on, scraped, damaged by a vacuum cleaner, clawed by the family cat. I don't know. <laughs> well, it happens to you. No, know, I believe I mean, it. I actually, I had, so growing up, we had a cat who she tried to chew on an outlet somehow yeah, or mm-hmm. like put her claws in the outlet. I don't know what she did, but she zapped herself. Oh, yeah. And her whiskers were all frazzly. Ah. And then she wasn't, she's kind of dumb after that. So we don't know if she oh. lobotomized herself or what she did, <laughs> but uh, she was a very nice cat till the end. She lasted a very long time. But oh, uh, poor cat. Not the smartest cat. Well, we came home from work and the cat had looked a little frazzly and there was a, there was a burnt out section of the outlet. And so wow. we, this is all. Assumption, hearsay, but animals get into outlets and attics and do all kinds of things. Squirrels, mice, rats have started yeah. fires. Happens all the time. Yeah, terrible. Well, that's that's another thing to worry about in New York City. At oh. least, at least, no rats are going to get my uh, my cord if it's up <laughs> above my door. Right. I hope not. Leave it. Yeah, don't keep the peanut butter off of the cord, and you should have no rat problems. <laughs> and I don't want to attract a rat. To, ah, as I spilled some peanut butter on there, we just left it. Yeah, and next thing you know, guide to New York City. Put your rat traps and your <laughs> extension cords in different places. Right. Yeah. Exactly. New York. Yeah, anything is possible. <laughs> For this week's testing table, we are testing out the shaker and spoon box, which is like the, it's kind of like a blue apron for cocktails. So they called me out of the blue and said what it was. And it basically, they don't send you any booze, but they send you this box full of all the other stuff that's in it. So like bitters and juices and jams and fruit and all that's that stuff. That's not super expensive stuff, right? Well, it makes sense. They send you the yes. booze too. It's going to be a much more expensive box. Yes, but I guess so I think- probably have to like... Oh, yeah. You have to sign for it, and it's like a little bit more difficult, like state by state. So it's each box. The idea is that you buy one bottle of liquor, and then you use that liquor to make all the cocktails that are in the box. I have the liquor bottle that Jackie gave me. Yeah. um, So I chose a random one. This is They have some suggestions on their website, but they did not suggest that one. I have a very fancy little liquor store near my house and they recommended a bloody butcher bourbon whiskey so i picked some of that doesn't it i have a question Um, so they send you all this stuff do they give you a specific 
kind of liquor that you should use? Or is yes. it okay? So this particular box is very it's strange. So this one is called the Austin Without Limits box, which mm. means I guess because Austin both has a bourbon flavor and a aged tequila sort of flavor because it's Texas. You can use one or the other. But the cool thing, I mean, I've tried I tried one of their other boxes which was also bourbon, but sometimes they do things like Pisco or like even I think wine sometimes, or they'll do like just kind of random liquors, rum, and so it's it's like if you don't know how to what to do with a particular liquor, it could be kind of cool, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So they give you this little thing that has the total contents of your box. I guess maybe we should unbox it. Sure, let's unbox it. Shall we unbox? Are unboxing podcasts as boring as unboxing videos? <laughs> unboxing? I don't know. That, People love unboxing well, videos. A lot somehow. of like very colorful confetti in there. Yeah, which, which Eleanor, we we're I'm discussing. not a fan of. While I'm doing this, I am actually very excited about this concept because the most fancy cocktail I've ever made is vodka plus something else, like lemonade. (laughs) I'll make you a drink. I'll put some vodka in this other stuff. Exactly. So I'm probably like the demographic for this. Because like I wouldn't even, you know, some of this stuff, I mean... Cinnamon sticks, you could probably pick up at like a Whole Foods or something, but right. some of this so I wouldn't know where to some get. Some of it you can't. Yeah, some of it are, are very strange bitters, and you'll see when you get in there. Yeah. Although some of it does require some I work. found a tiny bottle. Hey. Whoa, that is super tiny. That's what I mean. I mean bitters bottles are always small, but that is, that's like a ketchup bottle you get at a hotel. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I your love eggs. mini yeah. things. Right, that's this. the hot sauce I that, size. I feel like Eleanor is going to get into this. Yeah. I'm also not doing a very good job of not putting these confetti everywhere. That's Jackie, true. can I take one of these lemons home? There's uh, yes. an extra lemon yeah. in the box. There are three extra well, lemons I wanted in the box. To, yeah, the, yes. the lemons were actually came with the box, but They're I still should, cold. Yeah, I, I put the box in the fridge, but I wasn't sure how well the citrus had fared mm. because I didn't do it immediately. Smart, I'm bad. Uh, so I thought I would get some more citrus just in just in case. Okay, it looks like we're through. Are we through with I the think box? So. I'm just going to take the rest with of the, the unboxing. So we have okay, we have three different cocktails. I think we should each make one. Uh, the first one is called Hirachi Nights. Which is, uh, we only have bourbon, so we bourbon, sorry. Uh, it's bourbon and, with ginger, grenadine, lime juice, soda water, and lime zest. Sounds fun. We have The Beat Goes On, which is bourbon, boho syrup, orange bitters, hella bitters, aromatic cocktail bitters. there in Brooklyn. A star anise pod and lemon zest. And then we have The Masour, which is an egg white. Salted butter, fat washed bourbon. You can use tequila or bourbon. Pecan cinnamon orgit, lemon juice, and a cinnamon stick. So one thing that is complicated about this, I read these in advance, of course, and last night made the salted butter, fat washed bourbon. Oh, so you've already had that one. I have not had it. Oh, you made the fat wash. I made the fat right because you have to you have to have a stove and you have to use a freezer. Okay, so we're pretty close to done now. Oh, but it looks cool. Yeah. yeah look at that. Yeah. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. All right. So I'm on my last step. Okay. Add and strain the shaker's contents into a Collins glass or corn-made recyclable office <laughs> cup. Office cup. <laughs> um, all right, where's our little strainer? What's the name mm. of that thing, Jackie? You That's called this. a Hawthorne strainer. I'm going to use this Hawthorne strainer, guys. That has a lot of... Oh, with goo on it? What I think is that this is some very good bourbon that you purchased, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> that is entirely possible. How hard... You said before, Eleanor, that you have never done anything, made anything that involved not just pouring vodka into stuff. Yes. How hard was that? Not very hard. I What I liked about my recipe, which was the beak goes on one, was that it was really just pouring more than two things into the same cup. Uh-huh. And then, so you've already practiced <laughs> yeah. the pouring technique. And then adding a couple, like, I added an anise pod and then some lemon zest. But I've never done, like, the stirring with the ice and the straining and all that. So right. it made me feel... Fancy without feeling fatigued. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And I heard you tell Jackie that you can just eat an anise pod. Well, I ate a lot of things when I was younger that you probably like <laughs> technically can, can eat, but probably rocks. shouldn't. 
Like, I used to eat, like, an entire apple, like, core and stem mm. and all. Yeah, um, you would be one of those people. Yes. Yeah, vegetarians it's are hungry. Pretty on brand. <laughs> not a lie. I think you can eat the little seeds. I probably would not recommend eating the outside the thing. Maybe look yes. it up. It's kind of chilly. <laughs> Looks yeah. like a terrible idea. I just yeah. when I thought I heard you say it. Yeah. You can eat cinnamon sticks too. It just takes a while. Yeah. Oh. That seems delicious. Well, just to bark. chew on Terry a cinnamon bark. stick. I would chew on that. Yeah. Peter, what did you think? I liked it. I made the Hiracha Nights, which was just, it had the ginger grenadine and some lime and soda water in it. I like simple cocktails. I mostly just make Manhattans because I can remember how to make it. Yeah. And I only have to add two things and squeeze the little bitters dropper in there a couple yeah. times, which this was maybe one step more than that, but one step too far for me sometimes when I'm lazy. <laughs> I used to always make non-citrus cocktails because I hated squeezing citrus because yeah. you get all the seeds and it's really annoying. And the life-changing thing for me is I bought a citrus squeezer. And it, mine's from Chefin, which is such a strange name for a company, but <laughs> Chef apostrophe and Chefin. So I made the must hour, which is good if anyone is interested in it. Yeah, definitely. So mine was a little more complicated. I had to make the salted butter fat-washed bourbon last night. It's good, right? That's really good. Work. And then what you're supposed to do, which I did not do, is you're supposed to you're supposed to torch a cinnamon stick and run it around the glass. So imagine that tasting a little smoke here. What do you think? I can't tell what I'm drinking. Really? <laughs> it tastes nice. I mean, it just. I think I'm also thrown by egg white things. Oh, I love yeah. egg white drinks. I do too. They're my favorite. How do you do the egg white? Generally, with egg whites, if there actually is some debate, but uh, you want to dry shake it first, mm -hmm. and then you wet shake it. So dry shaking it. I don't know. It's not nothing's dry about it. So like, it's just no ice. So you just, you put in, put the egg white in first and then you put everything else in and then you shake the crap out of it for 30 seconds. Then you put the ice in and then you shake it. And that prevents it. I think that prevents it from curdling. Mm. It does something else to the bubbles. And it's, yeah. So these are 40 to $50 a month, they say. I guess it depends on how expensive So you get one are. box per month. One box per month. And you can make four of each cocktail, four of each of the three oh, cocktails. Nice. So if you're going to have a cocktail party every month or have you'd like to have your Friday night drinks or something like that. A friend of mine started having a cocktail program when, so his girlfriend really likes to cook. He likes to drink and I mean, not in like a gross, he's an alcoholic way, Yeah, but he just likes cocktails. Yeah. And so he will start you with a drink and then move to something different. And I really, it makes me really appreciate it. It made me want to do it when people come over. Um, right. also, also, I don't really cook, so I can help by making cocktails and entertaining people. Right. That so seems a cool like a idea. fun way to add. I mean, that way I don't have to think about it and look anything up. I just open my box and make people that. Yeah. I also think that, I mean, I wasn't kidding earlier. Like, this is, I generally don't like bourbon very much, and this is really nice. I think the downfall is that if you're buying cheap liquor to go with this. Right. That bottle, was, that bottle was 55 bucks. Yeah. Um, which, it's very tasty. It's my first time <laughs> having it. Uh, what I, what's it called again? It's the New Liberty Bloody Butcher. Bloody Butcher Bourbon, bourbon whiskey. whiskey. Very tasty. Nine months. Would, so, uh, would you buy this box, Peter? I feel like I have enough cocktail interest. That I would not. It okay. just feels like for somebody's first cocktail that right. you would if you're trying to get on and learn things. It is nice to learn. I would appreciate learning new drinks. Yeah. But I don't, I think I'm too cheap. Yeah. And Eleanor? See, my hesitation is I don't have any of the paraphernalia. So like I, if I bought this box, I would also like, I think I would feel obliged to like also get the shaker and the spoon and all that. And right. I, I feel like I want to meet that level of commitment before I sign up for a monthly service. But right. I would recommend it to other people. And if one of my friends got this box, I would definitely come <laughs> over and drink their cocktails. Cool. Yeah. Happy drinking, guys. Yeah, we yeah. should finish this. Cheers. We can't really clink glasses because they're plastic. <laughs> clink. That's our show, y'all. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Brandcasters, Inc. at www.brandcastingu.com. We'd like to thank Bettina Warshaw and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. 
please subscribe to our show on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about life hacks, projects, science, and technology, check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening. Thank you.